1: But then my competitive streak kicked in, and I was like, if I'm going to do this, you know, this is going to be a business that I can get into without having to go back to grad school or, you know, anything like that. I don't just want to be okay at this. I want to be really good at this. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it all the way.
0: This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Susan Stripling, who is one of the most incredible wedding and portrait photographers, and she is also a canon explorer of light and one of our portrait masters, speakers, and judges. Susan shares with us how she got into photography way back when and also about her humble beginnings. She talks about what it's been like for her as a photographer in Brooklyn, New York during these crazy times and she also is fully transparent about her pricing and products that she offers to her clients. Susan is definitely someone to learn a lot from, not only now, but during the Portrait Masters online conference starting September 21st. Okay, let's get started with the amazing Susan Stripling. Hey Susan, thank you so much for being with me on The Portrait System today. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I mean, we have so much to talk about. I <laughs> so I want to start with the fact that you are just a highly awarded photographer. So many awards. You're a Canon Explorer of Light. But I would say one of the best wedding photographers in the world. Aww. And and I'm I'm super curious how you got to this point. <laughs> you know, like was it easy for you? Was it a struggle? You know, I'm, and did you always do photography?
1: So. You know, my origin story of, of sorts <laughs> is not the way that most photographers get into photography. Most of the people that I know that shoot weddings or do portraits, they always wanted to be an artist and sort of fell into the business side of it because their love for the art, you know, they were shooting friends' weddings, or they were always the person mm-hmm. with the camera, or do you know what I mean? They were pulled to it from an artistic side. Yeah. And... So there's the answer that I thought I had at the time, and now the answer with my many years of experience. But I did not go into this because I was in love with photography. I went into this because I wanted to own my own business. Mm -hmm. So I went to school and got a super useful degree. I majored in theater, and I minored in dance, which prepared me to be both a personal trainer or a waiter at a restaurant or or unemployed. But I'm sure it was fun, right? Like, did you have a good time at least? Yeah, I did. I actually had a really wonderful time, but I got out of school. I moved to New York. I started auditioning and I thought, oh no, this isn't actually what I want to do. So I loved theater, but In order to really succeed in theater, especially if you're aiming for Broadway, you have to want it more than you've ever wanted anything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want it like that. And that's a terrible feeling, to realize that you went to school for four years, Mm -hmm. and the thing that you love the most in the world is not actually what you want to do for a living. Right. So, did not have any idea what I wanted to do, so I stumbled around at a couple different jobs. I did actually wait tables for a while. Yeah, I did too. I... Yeah. I mean, we all did mm-hmm. at some point in time or another. And I actually didn't hate it. It was a pretty good job. Yeah. But I waited yeah. tables in Times Square, which I do not recommend to anyone, oh, God. at a Chili's in Times Square. So that's, that's how classy that was. Um, oh, man. I know. But I did that. And then I was a receptionist at a startup.com. And then I got married. And my husband, at the time, we moved to Florida for his job. I was a receptionist at a vet's office mm-hmm. for a couple months, and then I had our first daughter. And I thought, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. And anyone who's listening to this knows me probably is now currently dying with laughter because <laughs> I <laughs> I applaud stay-at-home moms. I think it is an extraordinary thing that I was not great at. Same. Ugh. I wasn't good at it. Yeah. And I wish that more women would, you know, we, it's better now people are talking about it more, but... People wouldn't talk about, you know, 20 years ago, I don't like staying home with my kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I love my kids. I just love other things, too. So I started thinking, what could I do that could maybe be a part-time job, you know, that I could work on the weekends, right? <laughs> right? right the delusion yeah. that all wedding photographers have at the beginning is that you just work on the weekends. Yep. So my husband had a coworker who was getting married, and I had always taken pictures, you know, taking pictures of the kids, and it, I enjoyed it. But she said, hey, your wife takes really good pictures. Would you want to take pictures at my wedding? And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds super fun. And then immediately started hyperventilating because (laughs) I volunteered to shoot someone's wedding. And I know that she wasn't expecting anything other than, like, you know, a friend with a really good camera. But I didn't want to screw up. So I spent the time between saying yes and her wedding learning basically what not to do. So I went to the wedding. I employed my basic level of skills. I did pretty okay. Okay. And one of her friends said, "Will you shoot my wedding. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, this I just did this for her. Like, this isn't something I do. And she's like, well, I want what you did for her, and I will pay you $500. And I was like, oh, my God, $500 is so much money. (laughs) Sold. (laughs) As we all do when we are 23 Mm -hmm. and starting our own businesses. And I shot a couple of weddings in that first year for friends of this woman. And then I went and displayed at a bridal fair. I was living in Tallahassee, Florida, and picked up a you know, a year's worth of business because I was new and cheap. And I thought, this is really fun. But then my competitive streak kicked in. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to run, you know, this is going to be a business that I can get into without having to go back to grad school or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. I don't just want to be okay at this. I want to be really good at this. Yeah. Because I, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it all the way. And so I started studying photography more. And this was before online education or workshops, really. So I taught myself photography and got started in 2000 and like late 2001. And by 2003, I was full time. Wow. And it just, it exploded and turned into this. (laughs) Wow! But now that I look back on it, I think, you know, I wanted to get into this to own my own business. And I was a pretty good technician, but I never really fancied myself much of an artist. But this year with quarantine and forcing us to slow down and picking up all of these new hobbies, I paint and write and draw. And I realized, oh, no, wait, I might have been an artist the whole time.
0: You know, I was I was reading your website, actually. And you had me sucked in like you're a really, really good writer. Thank you. Like, everything that you have written in there to me was just written so well and very compelling. So that's funny that you didn't really realize how much of an artist you were until
1: this. I don't know if it's a a mental block against calling myself an artist or I'm sure I can talk about that with my therapist. We will never run out of things to discuss, (laughs) (laughs) but there was something about the label artist that I always thought I'm a good photographer and I'm a good technician, but I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, this year, when everything ground to a halt, I started writing, I've written a bunch of essays, I'm working on a book, I've been writing poetry, I decided, let's start painting, and now I'm painting. And I not only am finding talents that I did not know that I had, I actually really love it. Wow. And I think that it's all fueling the photography now that I'm picking up a camera a little bit more this year. You know, one of those questions that people ask a lot is like, what photographers do you follow for inspiration? And the honest answer is, I, I don't. I Follow the world, Mm
0: -hmm. books, and Mm -hmm. movies,
1: and art, and nature, and people. And being a better person makes me a better artist. And I think studying other mediums, even if you're terrible at them, because there are some that I am terrible at, I am the worst guitar player you will ever meet in the world. (laughs) But I think that it all goes towards making you better. So maybe I shouldn't have been quite so quick to take the artist label off of myself at the beginning. But, you know, it's all part of the, I guess, journey if you want to look at it
0: that way absolutely so much of what you have said so far is so relatable with the mom thing and not wanting you know not feeling like an artist and all of that so relatable so one of the questions I was going to ask you is during this whole quarantine thing and I know that you have online education and everything so maybe weddings isn't like your full-time thing anymore but I'm curious as now that you have picked up your camera again have you pivoted at all into like more portraits or landscape you know something other
1: than big gatherings since we can't really have them So honestly, this year has been a mess, and I do education, absolutely, but I also live in Brooklyn, where the Mm -hmm. cost of living is, I mean, I guess the best word is painful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Slash ridiculous. So, you know, my, my monthly output is not what some would consider normal. So the education that I do is definitely not the bulk of my income, the bulk of my income is weddings. Okay. And okay. I went from having 37 weddings this year to having three. Wow. So that's fun. Oh, <laughs> gosh. You know, yeah. I keep joking that this year is the unpaid sabbatical that I did not ask for. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. And yeah. the problem right now in New York with pivoting is that there's nothing really to pivot to. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of headshots, or I did a lot of headshots, but actors are all out of work. Mm-hmm. And when they're out of work, they can't afford things like headshots. No one's going on to auditions. No one's doing anything. Most of my Broadway friends have moved out of the city temporarily. So headshots have sort of ground to a halt. I used to do a lot of branding for small businesses, and small businesses in New York have been hit really hard. So the budget for that has sort of been shelved. Mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of corporate stuff for people who would fly in, and we would stage these shoots, and nobody's flying right now. So New York is a weirdly specific space. And I know a lot of my friends who live like in Georgia and in Florida, their their years are opening up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we are most definitely still not. People are still very cautious and very careful. So I have pivoted as much as I possibly can in a very crowded metro area where people are still kind of afraid to leave their houses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, the smartest thing that I've done this year is – Just go over my finances and make sure that I'm not spending money on things I shouldn't be spending money on and working on honing all of my skills so that when things do open up, I'm prepared for them. I've been doing a little real estate. I've been doing product photography where people ship products to me and we sort of FaceTime or Zoom while I set them up and I shoot them. There's ways to do it. But after a certain point, pivoting and changing the way that you do things so much it doesn't look like my job anymore. Mm-hmm. Like doing a, a corporate shoot over Zoom is so complicated and so <laughs> difficult. Right. It removes what I like best, which is collaborating in person with an art director. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm trying. I feel like my friends that are living in other areas are trying with more success. But I'm also trying not to rush things. I don't want to make impetuous decisions that change my business in like a permanent way. hmm when I do see people like weddings are looking at smaller weddings and elopements and more intimate weddings, so people are pivoting their plans, which are allowing me to come back into them. It's just hard to pivot when nobody wants to leave their apartments right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So New York is fun. Yeah, <laughs> definitely different,
0: different, different parts of the world. I'm in Michigan right now, and it's it's. I'm in a super small town, so it's very different than what you're experiencing. Right. But, you know, you bring up a couple good points, because there might be a time, whether it's because of a pandemic or you get injured or something, when yes. your income is sh- dramatically halted mm-hmm. or changed. And I know that mm-hmm. you, are, you seem to be someone who's very calculated, and like you said, <laughs> you are yes. You know, so, and this brings me to your, because you're a speaker at the Portrait Masters this year, our online conference. So I'm wondering, well, I know what your topic is, but I'm I'm (laughs) wondering if you can tell us a little bit about it, because I'm really, really looking forward to what you're talking about. So can you just let people know what you're, what you're going to be speaking about?
1: Yes. Honestly, I'm super psyched. And this is a class that I've wanted to teach for years and years. But the problem with the class that I'm teaching is, talking about marketing and bringing in money and removing mental and emotional blocks around receiving money from clients, those are sexy, interesting topics. Mm -hmm. The nuts and bolts of financial workflow, people need it, but they think they aren't going to enjoy the talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to sit down and eyeball their finances and do (laughs) budgets and talk about bank accounts and talk about savings and, you know, IRAs and saving for the future. But honestly, getting my finances into a workflow where they move from bank account to bank account and everything does what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And all of that has increased my savings and also removed all of my emotional stress around money. So that's what I'm talking about is once you have income coming in, how do you partition it out? How do you figure out what goes into savings? How do you figure out a retirement plan? How do you Work it out if you have a spouse who also makes income or a partner who makes income. So it's basic money workflow. Mm -hmm. And I'm teaching what I do that sort of changed my emotional and logical relationship with finances. Oh, I love it. And I'm super excited about it. And it wouldn't be me if it did not come along with a spreadsheet. So you get a spreadsheet, too.
0: <laughs> well,
1: you know, and, and it's
0: such an important thing. It really is. And it's a very hot topic. It's something in our in our Facebook group, this SBE members yes. Facebook group. It comes up a lot. Like, okay, so my sales average has increased a lot. Now, I just need to know what to do with it. Because right. Sue teaches a lot about how to, you know, getting that self-value yes you know where it needs to be so that you do start earning that money but then it's like okay how do you hold on to it and make really smart decisions with it and what do you do with it so i think it'll be so complementary to what
1: sue teaches it's gonna be so good i i agree as well because she is like i i can't touch the brilliance of the way she talks about removing your blocks against money and oh, opening totally. the doors and being grateful like That does not need repeating. It's perfect as is. But once you open those doors and money starts coming in, where does it go? Mm -hmm. And you know you need to save some, but how much should you be saving and where should you be putting it? And do you have a business account? And then do you need a tax account? And so I'm talking through, it's a very sort of updated Dave Ramsey envelope method. Yeah. But it has, it's honestly my savings, well, pre pandemic were significantly higher than they were before. And I really do think that treating money the way I treat it and moving it around the way that I have, if I don't work this year, I'm okay. I mean, <laughs> okay as a, you know, <laughs> relish <relative, laughs> all relative totally. <laughs> exactly. But I could live this year without any work at all. And that's not because I charge a lot of money for weddings or, you know, anything like that. I am a single household, one income person Mm -hmm. who just saves. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to go in and tell people don't buy your coffee or don't make avocado toast or or anything like that (laughs) because you have to live your life and you have to enjoy things. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk about things like paying off debt and all of that fun stuff mm-hmm. so that you aren't just receiving money, putting it in a bucket and doing nothing with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Or bringing very, it very in cool. and then spending it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of money, back when you said you were charging $500 for a wedding, how quickly? <laughs> I know my first wedding I think was like 650, but that was all the way in 2012. So it was like a decade later than you. So very comparable, but
1: okay. So How quickly did you scale that? (laughs) Within about one wedding. (laughs) So the first two weddings, I just sort of took what they offered me because I was not a professional. I was not in any position to be charging people money. Right, right. But once I reached a point, which was within a couple of weddings where I thought, okay, I can at least do a base level of competency where I'm I'm not going to screw up your event. I remember my very first price list. It was $1,200 for eight hours of photography and your digital files. And that lasted about a year mm-hmm. until I realized why am I not keeping almost any of this? <laughs> once, <laughs> once you figure in it taxes and, you know, just simple cost of doing business, mm-hmm. it wasn't profitable. So I started scaling from there. And every couple of weddings that I would book, I would bounce it up. So it went from like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred to twenty one hundred to twenty four hundred. Like it just went up in bits and pieces. Yeah. And Once I hit a certain point where people started asking for other things, like, do you make albums and what about prints? Then I diversified into packages. And so that's sort of my pricing structure right now. It's a combo of a la carte pricing and package pricing. So, But I, I scaled pretty
0: fast. Okay. So you said you have packages now. Do you mind sharing what your pricing is at this
1: point? Oh, I don't mind. Yeah, that's fine. So the way my pricing works is you can start with hourly coverage. And if you do hourly coverage, and this is for weddings, obviously, you can do six hours, eight hours, or 10 hours. And it's 4,700, 5,700, and 6,700. And what you get for that is your hours. You get me. I bring an assistant. You get your digital files, but I don't have a second shooter. Then you step up to packages. And what I like about the way I've structured my packages on my website is when you bundle things together, you do get a discount. And listing the packages out, I show the discount like the savings on the package versus if you did it a la carte. Mm-hmm. And that helps mm-hmm. people kind of come to the packages. So collection one is 11100 It's 10 hours, a 10 by 15 album, two 8 by 10 parent albums, which can be unique albums. They don't have to be duplicates. And I bring a second photographer. And that, at the bottom of that, it says a savings of $600. So right. you basically get a deal for bundling stuff together. Collection two is 7300 It's eight hours and a 10 by 15 album. And collection three is 5500 which is six hours and an 8 by 12 album. Some people look at the packages and they're like, this is exactly what we want. Some of them look at it and say, you know, could we make our own package? And you absolutely can. You know, I had people who want to do 12 hours and a book and one parent book, but no second photographer or any of the combinations therein. And if they want to package something up, I'll work it up. I'll give them a little bit of a discount and off we go. Because I sell the way I like to buy mm-hmm. and I like... If I buy more, I get a little bit off, you know, and the, the, the discounts aren't huge, like collection three, 5,500 for six hours in an eight by 12 album, you save $200, right? But right. there's something about that little, oh, hey, I saved $200 if I just go ahead and get that album right now that people really like. Yeah, yeah. And I like how simple it is, too.
0: It's, you know, small, medium, large. Yep. It's very similar to just, like, the portrait packages that that's
1: suit. How, to, yes, and that's yeah. how I price my portraits as well, which is very similar, which is, you know, multiple collections, small, medium, large. And then there's add-ons. So mm-hmm. with weddings, the add-ons are overtime or an engagement session or another photographer or a standalone book, right? So you have options. And I try to keep this crazy simple because – I mean, people don't read. Mm, It's (laughs) so true. To be honest. They're like, you're putting sales tax on this? And I'm like, yes, it says it right there. Yes, it says it like (laughs) in (laughs) several (laughs) bullet-pointed items. (laughs) But it's when you go to my pricing page, it literally says, wedding photography rates, always included. Photography by Susan Stripling, a password-protected online image gallery, your gallery of hand-edited, full-size JPEGs, delivered in color and black and white, your images delivered within six weeks of the wedding date. You can choose from hourly coverage, bang, bang, bang. Like it just, it's very, very simple. And then you get further down at the bottom where there's like questions and answers and full galleries people can look at. They never go that far because the follow-up question is usually do you have any full galleries that we can see? And I'm like, yeah, Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. under the price list that you read. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it seems
0: like too you also have the potential to do so much upselling with the like you said, the engagement shoot, the second shooter, additional like prints and you know, wall portraits. Do you sell a lot of products in
1: that way as well? So it's funny, I don't sell a lot of additional products with weddings. I obviously do with portraits, but I also don't do in person sales for weddings. Mm-hmm. And I think in person sales honestly, really does make all of the difference. Yeah, And it's something that I constantly am toying with. Do I want to do it for weddings or do I not? I'm looking at the time investment versus the additional income. Right. And I'm always trying to weigh out if it's worth it or not. And then I have a lot of clients who don't live here. So I would have to adapt the sales process online. Mm -hmm. And if we're being completely honest, it's something that I circle around every single year and then kind of wander away from. And to me, that just means I have not figured out a way to do it just yet. Yeah. So what I try to do is I try to make sure that I am profitable. If someone purchases my least expensive thing, which is six hours of a la carte coverage, am I still making enough money off of that if they don't spend another dime? Is it worth giving up a day for that? Mm -hmm. And it is. Mm -hmm. So yes, I absolutely know that I'm leaving money on the table for weddings. I just still can't quite find a way to make it work For me, because like I said before, I can't sell something I wouldn't buy. And I can get my head around in-person sales for portraits. That's something that I would really want to do were I a portrait client. But in-person sales for weddings, there's just something about it that I haven't quite unlocked just yet.
0: Well, I wonder too. And you know, I only did weddings for a couple years, but it was like there was so much time and energy invested to begin with—the back and forth with the clients—and I don't know Correct. if you have, you know, a team or whatever. But the back and forth, the designing of the album, the ordering of the products, the actual yes. day, the coloring, oh, yes. the editing, the <laughs> sending it—if you have a re- like. All of that adds up. I just wouldn't want to be done with this. Cl- you know what I mean? Just done with this job already to add in one more thing. I'd be like,
1: ah. Yeah. That's Honestly, that's part of it is when I reach something in my business and I'm like, I know I need to do this, but I really don't want to. It's really hard for me to justify doing something that I really don't want to do. Because if I mm-hmm. don't want to do it, I feel like I'm not serving my clients properly. Right. So with portraits, I love Meeting people and talking through their portraits and helping them choose them. Mm -hmm. And it's such a delightful process. But with weddings, there's just so many images. And just the thought of it, to be perfectly honest, I simply don't want to. Yeah. So I haven't found a way to maximize those sales in a way that makes me feel the way that selling portraits makes me feel. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And until I can do that, I'm not doing my clients any service whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it just seems
0: so different because it's not so overwhelming where you're really only editing, or at least for me, it's like 20 to 30 photos. They're all the ones that I so love and I can't wait to show them. We've only done, I've spent three hours with them doing hair and makeup in the shoot and then a phone call, you know, Mm -hmm. to do the consultation. It's not like I'm so over this job. It's like, I can't wait to sell to them. Right. You know, photos that I love that I know they're going to love. It just, it just feels different. Like you said, it's, it's just, Yeah.
1: So it's, I think that a lot of people are, I don't want to say ashamed, but kind of ashamed to admit that there's parts of their business they don't like. And if there's something about your business that you don't like, you just have to keep tweaking it until it's something that works for you and your clients. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to implement something that doesn't feel like a true service, both from myself and to them. And that's where I get stuck with in-person sales for weddings.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense for sure. That's my professional advice is (laughs) I just don't want to. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and that's okay. Sometimes we just don't want to. I don't <laughs> and we know, to. like you're leaving
1: money on the table, but that's okay, and it's not worth it at this time. I'm leaving money on the table, but the money that I'm leaving on the table, can I justify the time and effort the that time. it will take me exactly. And I oh I can't just yet. So who knows? Maybe in a year I'll feel differently. But in a year I might also just be an off the grid artist that just paints for a living. I'm not really sure. I don't (laughs) don't know where anything is going anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so true.
1: Well, your wedding work
0: is and your portrait work as well, of course, but is is it's really incredible. And I know that like I mentioned before, you have so many awards. And actually you are one of our portrait masters judges. Yes, I love it so much. Yep, yep. We're just in the process of having the second round of the year for the awards, and yeah, it's so good. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so Yeah, so cool. So, how did you get into like? W- at what point did you feel confident en- enough, I guess,
1: to enter into awards? Never. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing. Is if you're sitting around and you're waiting for your work to be perfect enough to enter, you're going to be waiting forever. Because Mm -hmm, every single mm -hmm. year, whenever I enter anything into a competition, to be honest, I just think, well, that's crap. It's not going to do anything, right? Like, nobody is ever ready. It's kind of like trying to figure out when the right time to have a baby is. Like, you (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you (laughs) you can always, like, there's never the right time. You just kind of got to go for it. But what got me started in it was I was going to WPPI, and I knew that print competition was a thing, but I didn't know that live print judging was a thing. And one year, I literally stumbled into a live print judging room, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Like, what an amazing thing. And so I entered my work the next year, mostly for feedback. And then what I kind of realized is, every time I enter a competition, it's a chance for me to sit and reflect on the work that I've made. So Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me, I kind of use it as my own personal test of how far I've come since the last round of competition. And... That self reflection included with feedback from judges and critiques and whatnot, it just makes me better. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how did I know I was ready? I didn't, I just jumped. Yeah, you just did it.
0: It's funny because I never entered anything ever. I just, it never even occurred to me to do it. It, Like in my head, I I feel like I, for my client, my clients love their photos and there are some photos that I take that I'm like, wow, I really love that. Like, I think I did a beautiful job on that, but it never occurred to me to enter anything. And in the first round of the portrait masters went by the very first one we did and Sue was like, uh, you didn't enter anything. And I was like, well, I'm not going to win. Like what's, and she was like, Nikki, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. you your score and you're gonna work towards accreditation. Exactly. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, oh yeah, that's so true. So I'm curious, did you ever enter anything that maybe you thought would score higher
1: or something that you thought wasn't gonna get a good score and it got a great score? Oh yeah. There have been many, many instances of me, especially at WPPI because it's in person, crying in a hallway fully grown adult in my late 30s weeping in a hallway because I entered like what I thought was my favorite print of the entire year and it got a score that showed that it was not even professional. Uh-oh. And I was like, what do they know? And, then, yeah, and know. then I actually sat and looked at the image and I was like, oh, they were right. And sometimes mm-hmm. they were wrong. Like judges are only human, but it was the low scores on things that I thought should have gone higher. It almost helps me I don't want to say disassociate, but that's really the best word, which is like disassociate from my work and look at it more critically. Yeah, that's a great point. And I have entered things that I thought, eh, that's okay. And then it did really, really, really well. And the problem with some of this is that the judges and everybody don't know how hard you work to make an image. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would enter something that I was like, you know, the situation was really difficult and I worked and I worked and I worked and I made this amazing thing. Well, it wasn't amazing. It was just pretty good mm-hmm. because I overcame a difficult situation or a difficult client or someone who was uncomfortable. And then sometimes I did something that I thought, oh, that was easy to make, but it actually wasn't. It, you know, it, it's weird. You, you bring your own personal stories to the images that you take. And yes, I have gotten plenty of horrible scores. Horrible.
0: (laughs) Well, it's nice to know that someone like, you know, you've been doing this for so long and you're a judge. It's, It's just, it's nice to hear that from other people because in the members Facebook group, every time the scores are put into people's accounts, we get like a barrage of, I got this amazing score and look at this photo. And then we have a handful of people or more than that. Sometimes who are like, oh my gosh, I'm so upset. Like I only got a 75 or I only got the 69 or whatever. And so but like some people are like, pissed and, like, Well, upset. It's, I mean, it's kind of
1: like someone told you that your kid was ugly, yeah. right? Like, how, how <laughs> yeah. can you not take it personally? Like, I take it personally every single time. But it's funny, like, especially, you know, just this year at WPPI, because it was all in person. Like, remember when we used to do things in person? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh God, Will we ever again? Well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I would, I would sit and I would judge and, you know, things would get 69s and 68s and 71s. And then later you know, I would realize, oh, wow, that image that I gave a 71 was like this person's image. And I didn't know it was that person's image, like someone that I really look up to, but Mm -hmm. they just entered something that just wasn't it, you know, like, we all screw up. I think one of my scores from earlier this year, because WPPI is the most recent one for me that I got scores back from, I think I got like a 71 on one of my favorite images. And I was Mm -hmm. like, ouch, But then I sat down and I looked at it and I was like, okay, I'm bringing my personal feelings to this image. And I like it because of these things that are not actually technical. And do my clients love the images? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. It's Competitions are not, it has nothing to do with clients. It has to do with me assessing and reassessing my own personal growth. And I can honestly say that entering competitions has, above and beyond anything else, has made me the photographer that I am. Because of that mm -hmm. feedback loop and constant criticism of myself from myself. So Mm -hmm. honestly, I think if anybody is out there and they're listening and they're like, I don't know, I don't think I'm ready. You're ready. Just do it. Like if you're taking pictures and you're selling them, you're ready. Yeah.
0: And for people out there, if you do get a score that you're not super happy with, listen to everything Susan just said. Like, take the emotion out of it, look at it with a critical eye, and realize this is a learning experience. Yes. And just go from there. I mean, it's it's a way to really get better.
1: Yes, honestly. And sometimes you'll get a score, and I still do this. I'll get a score, and I'll look at it, and I'm like, you know, even after— honest reflection I still don't entirely agree with the judges scores Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. fine because judges are only human true and sometimes you're not going to agree with them but you have to look at sort of the overall bulk of your scores right instead of getting fixated on just one image right so I want to see my scores as an average trending higher yeah yeah for sure
0: It'll be interesting when scores are released, uh, you know, just to see this round, because I I feel like everything's just been
1: so elevated. So yes. Oh, my gosh. Every single time, every single round, the work just gets better and better and better. And it's I mean, it's kind of like waiting around in high school for the cast list to be posted for the play. And like everyone (laughs) is like, like everyone is so amped for it. And then you're either super happy or you go home and cry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. So funny. So funny. Okay, so I have a couple more questions for you about portraits. So do you have a studio in Brooklyn? Or when you do portraits, <laughs> did you normally go on location? Uh, like, I'm thinking if Brooklyn is as
1: expensive as
0: I think it is, like, that that's, you know, I'm just curious. Oh, the studio.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing will become apparent. I do have a studio. I had a big studio in a really cool space and was right at the end of my lease. And they were raising my rent to a point that it just didn't, make sense anymore. So I went Mm -hmm. looking for a different studio space and I actually found this beautiful, magical, wonderful space. It was half the rent. It was closer to home. Like it's, it's outstanding. I love it so much. The only thing I had to give up was a window. But when I really thought about it, I spent most of my time flagging the window anyhow. So... It wasn't a big loss. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to move in on April 1st. We see where the story is going. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then the world shut down here on March 16th. So yep. I called the movers. I said, what are we going to do? And they said, can you move in two days? And I said, sure. So <laughs> so they came. They helped me pack. We moved my entire studio on March 18th, moved it into my new space threw all of the boxes in, closed and locked the door, and I didn't go back for three months. Wow. Because we were shut down. Yeah.
0: So I
1: do have a studio. I love it. I started unpacking it about a month ago. Yeah. So it is a necessary evil to do portraits. All of our apartments here are so small And I share my apartment with two children. Mm -hmm. So there's no room for me to do portraits here. Yeah, yeah. A studio is necessary. It doesn't have to be big. I'm basically paying for my studio what I would pay in a storage unit to store all of my studio stuff. (laughs) Anyhow, (laughs) and right now I sort of do have, it's sort of emotionally very triggering to go into the studio. Because I did move in right as sort of the entire world here fell apart. Yeah, Yeah, Because in New York, everything just abruptly changed overnight. Like there was no watching things happen, slowly shutting down, it was one day we were open, the next day we were closed. Yeah, yeah. So going back into the studio, it was really triggering to the beginning of March when everything fell apart. So I've been unpacking very slowly and really giving myself space in there and really making it mine. So when people do feel comfortable being in enclosed spaces for portraits, it will be ready. Yeah. But in the meantime, it's it's turning into a place that I can go and do art, where I can go and read, where I can go and answer emails, kind of like a sanctuary space mm-hmm, of sorts. Mm-hmm. So I have to get the energy right in there. And I know that sounds mm. just completely insane. But every time I walked in there, kind of when everything opened back up and I was able to get back in the space, every time I walked in there, I had the anxiety that I had in, in the middle of March. And yeah. I thought, it, you know, it can't be like this. This can't feel like this. So I've really been working to make it feel, when I open the door, you know, kind of like coming home. Mm -hmm. And it's getting there. And it it is... I have had a studio in some form for the past, like, five years. And... I don't think that it's necessary but it's super helpful especially here in New York. Yeah, for
0: sure. Especially when you said you don't have all that you know, a lot of space in your apartment and everything. It's like... Oh yeah, definitely
1: not. I mean, I have maybe three square feet that I could shoot someone yeah. in <laughs> yeah. and I'd have to move the TV. Yeah. So, I just... And also, I don't have anywhere to store my gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, totally. has, it has to live at the studio. I think one pro photo with an umbrella would be a quarter of my living room. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll keep it somewhere else.
0: You know, one of the weak <laughs> of our 12-week, actually week one of our 12-week startup for building a portrait business is studio setup. And that's something that we focus on is you don't need a lot of space. And hearing coming from you, you know, Canon Explorer of Light or whatever, and you're saying your studio is not very big. And it's just... It's 478 square feet. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a lot of space. With no closets. (laughs) You know, this whole pandemic, you know what just happened to me is, so I I live in Michigan, but I used to live in Seattle. I just moved back. So I have a studio that's still in Seattle and one in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And for the last year, I've been sharing with four other people in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so I would go back and forth, like, maybe once a month, once every other month, bang on a lot of shoots, and then come back to Michigan. Well. I ended up sharing a space because I don't want to manage it. I don't want all I want to do is pay my rent, show up, shoot, and come back to Michigan. So I paid my rent early and she just sent it back to me yesterday and she's like, so I'm not gonna be managing it anymore. I I think she's moving or something and Oh wow. I don't know what's gonna happen with the studio. And I'm like, oh my god, please, no, not right now. Cause I can't go there. Fly to Seattle right now and get move my stuff and find another no. space. And I'm just like, oh my God, I like want to curl in a ball in the corner and like rock myself because I'm like, what am I going to do? And this year, we're
1: stuck with kind of impossible choices this year that I never thought that I would have to make. Yeah. And I downgraded from a thousand square feet to 478 square feet. Yep. yep. So that I could do something more profitable, less expensive. Yep. And honestly, it really is all about managing your space. I have. Plenty of room. Like I could not shoot multiple dancers at one time, but if I were ever going to shoot anything that big, I would need a different space anyhow. Like I would right. need a rental space. Yeah, for and a large you could just shoot. rent it for the day or something. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, everything works out, and I'll, I'll figure it out. I just haven't let my brain process what I'm going to do yet, but I will work it out, and and it's going to end up being the right move anyway. Because do I even want to keep going back to Seattle? Not really, so maybe this is just Probably my not. sign <laughs> no. of like let it go, but yeah, it's uh
1: crazy, crazy times, but it's it's just things that we never thought that we would have to think about, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. how am I going to move overnight in a pandemic, yep yeah, <laughs> yep, it's pretty wild, that's for sure. there's something in there about
0: something, something doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, something <laughs> something, yeah. Something Kanye West. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. You know, I just have one more question, and and then I want to ask you the questions that I ask everyone at the end, but is for products, do you have a specific, you know, you said you do albums. Is there a specific company that you love or specific products that really, you know, obviously
1: you sell what you love, so I'm curious what you use. I actually really love QT albums, Mm. and I've been working with them for about a year. They just allow for customization in the covers. I love their paper choices. They've got these beautiful velvet covers, and they just really resonate with the aesthetics of my clients. And they're super open to collaborations to kind of make your books unique. Yeah, that's nice. So that's who I've been using, and I am thrilled with them. Their customer service is amazing, even through the pandemic. Like, they've just been incredible. So they're my favorite vendor. Okay. I'll have to look them up. Yeah.
0: They're so great. Yeah. Week two for the 12 week startup is pricing and product. And it's like, it can be so overwhelming for people when it comes to choosing a company to do you know their folio box and Graphy Studio is a big you know beautiful folio boxes. There's oh, just, they
1: do beautiful but like, boxes, prints,
0: albums, and then there's like you can do all these different sizes, and then you can have like wood prints and metal prints and like and it's exhausting. It it's is, exhausting. and so I think that's one of the most important things is to nail down really what do you love and keep it simple yep. like you do. You get
1: this and you get this, <laughs> like these are your choices. I can sell what I like. Yeah, I can sell image boxes, I can sell albums, and I can sell framed wall prints. Yeah, I'm terrible at selling candles. Canvases Mm -hmm. because I don't like them. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not my personal aesthetic. I'm bad at selling loose prints. Yeah. But I can sell an album all day long because I love albums and I love fine art, matted, framed prints. Yeah. Yeah. So, part of that whole pricing and packages and products is figuring out what you like yourself personally. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going to resonate with your clients and what would you buy? And if it's something that you wouldn't buy, can you still sell it? you know? For sure. And for me personally, like I said, with in-person sales with weddings, I can't sell something that I don't like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm so just happy I got to interview you and ask you all these questions. So (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing everything. I do have a couple more questions that I always ask at the end. All right. Hit me. The first one is what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Uh, These
1: days, a face mask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't live without. Oh, when doing a photo shoot, my RL handcrafts, Holster straps Mm. for Mm -hmm. my cameras. I have the Clydesdale Pro. They're like slightly padded. They're leather- and I've worn them so much, they're basically conformed to the shape of my body. I have the single and I have the doubles. Does it go on your shoulders and, like, come around? They go on my shoulders. They look kind of like suspenders. Oh, okay. So it's okay. kind of, yeah, they're so beautiful. I love them because I'm terrible about putting my cameras down and walking away from them. Mm-hmm. And I tried the spider holsters, which are amazing, but I just crash into things. Like, I'm just... Yeah, you have to be conscious I don't know of of why... Mm-hmm. i'm not good at that but <laughs> well, at weddings when you're going through narrow aisles like it's that makes, hard it's, yeah yeah that's yeah i can and see that constantly turning sideways and cracking somebody in the back of the head with my hip and <laughs> it's just not fun and these also make me look a little bit like laura croft tomb raider nice. which is you know always nice uh, i love it i love it okay
0: number two how do you spend your time when you're not working Oh, you mean 2020? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before 2020,
1: no. Okay, before 2020, I read. I'm a hugely voracious reader. I got a Peloton this year, and now I am in the cult of Peloton. I completely get it. I know why people love it. I'm obsessed with it. When the weather is not 1,000 degrees, I walk in the cemetery. There's like a almost 500-acre cemetery near where I live. Oh, cool. And it's open to the public, and it's just this huge, beautiful, gothic place. It's called Greenwood Cemetery. And so I go on these long walks, and I photograph the flowers and the graves. I watch far too much TV. (laughs) I've watched 174 horror movies since quarantine began. horror movies. Actually, I read that on your website that you really like horror movies. Yes, it's my personal project. Yes. And... I mean I basically read, paint, draw, write, hug my dog and try to bug my kids into hanging out with me. Oh, I because love they're teenagers it. and I am uncool. Yeah, how old are they now? 16 and 19.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so I know I saw them when Sue photographed you and your girls on the website. Yes, and she
1: photographed d- us when they were babies. They
0: look so little. I'm like thinking about my kids. I'm like, oh, they're gonna be that so was like,
1: so like oh. oh my gosh, that was probably six or seven years ago. That was a long time ago. And then she photographed me and my youngest earlier this year. My oldest was at college, but yeah, I kind of can't believe that I have a college sophomore and a high school junior. Oh, I'm wow. so close. Wow. So close. No, you're not. We're so close. <laughs> like, come on. Get everybody in school.
0: Oh, I know. I know. Gosh. Like, go live in the world. It's time. Oh, you're so close. I thought you said you're so old. Well, that too. <laughs> no. I totally misheard you. I'm like, you're not old. What are you talking about? And then you said we're so close and to no, getting No, I'm, I'm 42. It's not that
1: old. Yeah. Okay, so I'm older than you. I'm 43. By the time I am 45, all of my kids will be gone. I don't oh my god, I don't mean gone. That sounded terrible. That means like launched into the world. And then I get to yeah. figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Do I want to stay in New York? Do I want to go somewhere else? Like, what do I want to do? That is the silver lining of having kids early.
0: See, I waited until I was almost 40 to have my first and nuts no, like. You <laughs> got this
1: amazing thing called your twenties. And I <laughs> True. True. I, Susan. I did not very get that. true. So I had my first kid when I was barely twenty-three. So That's true. So I get my late 40s, I guess. Yep, yep. How fun, though. Oh, that's exciting.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. Okay, number three, what is your favorite
1: inspirational quote? It's funny. I used to think inspirational quotes were goofy, which they are. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily inspirational, but it's sort of – Someone told me at the very beginning of my business, the most important thing that I could remember was it's not personal, it's just business. Mm, Like mm -hmm. no matter how much you love your clients, no matter how invested you are, at the end of the day, you are not your business and your business is not you. You still have to go out and live your life and you can't take these things personally. So it has helped me keep a healthy separation between my business and my personal life in a way that has just been beneficial for both.
0: Yep. Yep. I love that. It's a yeah. great way to think, and le- for sure. For sure. Very cool. Okay, number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started in their business?
1: These things take time. And I know that that's not what anybody wants to hear. You want to hit the ground running, you want to do the startup courses, and you want to like be there. But you really can't fast-track experience. So just look at your business. It's not a sprint. It's a longer marathon. Every shoot you do, you're going to learn more. Every client you have, you're going to learn more. And you you can't silver bullet your way around putting in the good, hard work. So everything that you do is just adding to the cumulative growth of your business. And don't get stressed if you're a year in or you're two years in and you're not where you want to be. It took me a really long time to get to a place where I thought, okay, I'm defining my style. And I'm doing things the right way. This is all a growth and learning process. So put in the work and you're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. And also don't let your business eat you alive. Don't let it eat you alive. Sometimes put it away and go for a walk and get off Facebook and hug your friends. Mm-hmm. So nurture your personal life as much as you nurture your business and both will feed each other.
0: Don't let your business eat you alive and do the work and it will be fine. I love those two yeah. things. Like, so great. <laughs> it's going to be cool. You're going to do it. So other than the Portrait Masters on September 23rd at 1.45 p.m., yeah. where else can people find
1: you online? So... My education is at theweddingschool.net, and that's basically education for wedding photographers. Um, if you are a Sue Price member and you also shoot weddings, it's very complimentary to what you learn there. We cover pricing and lighting and shooting and lenses and marketing and everything. So that's my education, theweddingschool.net, or just come find me on Instagram. It's Susan Stripling Photography. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. I'm I mean it's 2020 I'm around a lot. <laughs> 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 oh, it's not man. hard to find me. Seriously. We don't go anywhere. <laughs> and summer's
0: about to end. Oh god, let's not Thank even think about god, it. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh you are? Winter's my favorite season. Oh. I'm ready. Oh, I'm not. I'm looking at my sweaters in my closet and I'm like, "Let's go." Oh, not me. I'm looking out at the lake right now and actually as we were chatting, there's this boat pulling these tubers and this one girl just keeps falling like flying like I feel like <laughs> should,
1: I feel like it should be on America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> <laughs> I was like poor child oh, just keeps biting it over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go outside and constantly think, "Ooh, I need a heavier sweater." Yeah. Fall's great too, but winter That's my time know. of year. Yeah, I get it. It's a million degrees outside and we're wearing masks and uh, sucking wet true. masks into our faces and It's true. You're right. I just yeah, I'll just stay inside with my Peloton. I am, I'm that person now. And my houseplants. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again for being
0: on this with me. And we oh, will see you on September 23rd and talking all about money. I
1: can't wait. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I hope you guys like it as much as I loved putting it together. It is, hmm, money is sexy. It's I true. can't help it. It is. It's yeah. very sexy. So, cool. Yes.
0: All right. Thanks again, Susan. You're so welcome.